I'm glad to see you this morning. I'm glad to be back with you. We were in Knoxville last weekend. We had a, a couple that were, they were in our church here uh, when we were trying to plant River Crossing, and they moved away to Knoxville. And uh, they have three boys, and their hair is turning gray really fast because those boys are, are, are a handful. But uh, I baptized the second one and the third one that was, uh, he's uh, four months old. He was baptized last weekend, so we went up to be with them. And just so happens, we're talking about Jonah and the storm. And I didn't, you know, I don't believe in coincidences. And, uh, it, you know, just so happens that we're in the middle of the storm. I got up this morning and walked outside about 8 o'clock and looked, and there was, it was, uh, half of the sky was from here back it was blue, from here back it was, it was, an, it was just a line. And so I got out my phone and looked on the weather app and looked at the map, and sure enough, the line of, the, of this storm, uh, Hurricane Irma, uh, is, the, it's not the rain and stuff, but just the edge of the clouds showed right over Rock Hill. And we're talking about Jonah and the storm. Open your Bibles this morning to Jonah chapter 1, verses 17. And if you're on the ball, you're going to think, well, that's the passage that you read the last time you were here. And it is, and we're going to look at it one more time, because there's this dialogue between Jonah and the sailors that we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 to 17. And <clears throat> folks, Jonah is a lot more than just a story about a man who fell overboard and or was thrown overboard and was swallowed by a fish. And we don't know what kind of fish it was. We just know that I know this, that when Jesus was talking to a group of people in Matthew chapter 12, he, he referred to Jonah and he said, one greater than Jonah is here. And so Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, believed that Jonah was a real person and that the events in this story really happened. Let's look at Jonah chapter 1 verses 1 to 17. Notice the dialogue that takes place between Jonah and these men. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board and to go with, to go with him to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Even the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it up for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a, a thought to us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots so that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What's your occupation? Where do you come from? What's your country, and of what people are you? Jonah said to them, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you've done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because Jonah had told them. Then they said to him, 
What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it's because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they, the sailors, called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood. O Lord, you've done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. We've been talking about Jonah the last couple of weeks, and um, I don't believe in coincidences. I believe that God sends every storm. In fact, uh, if one of the hurricanes in 1964, if it hadn't happened, I may not be here. I was born in West Palm Beach, Florida. My family moved from, uh, my mom and dad eloped, moved, to, moved from uh, Heath Springs down to Florida. And uh, I was born there, and we had one hurricane, and my mom said, that's it, no more. We're moving back to South Carolina. And so I don't know where I would have ended up had not a hurricane changed the course of my life. And this is the thing. Over and over and over, we have to ask ourselves, what is God doing in the storm? What, what is he doing? Because he's doing thousands of different things. We'll talk about it in just a minute. But this story, it may be familiar to you. You may have heard it in Sunday school or vacation Bible school or Veggie Tales. Remember Veggie Tales? If you have kids, you know what VeggieTales are. But there's a subplot in here this morning that I want us to talk about. And, uh, and it's, the, it's this dialogue between the Jonah and the sailors. I had an English teacher in high school, and her name was Miss Huff. H-O-U-G-H. And we had a little saying at Andrew Jackson, Miss Huff is rough. Because she taught us, we had to learn how to write uh, uh, essays, and we had to pick out things. We had to read uh, Animal Farm, Canterbury Tales, and we had, to re- we had to say the Canterbury Tales in Old English. You remember the Canterbury Tales? Anybody else have to do this? I mean, a southerner with a southern accent saying something like, It was hilarious. We had to learn those things, and one of the things that she made us do, she said, I want you to look at some of these things like the Lord of the Flies and the Lord of and Scarlet Letter and pick out three examples of irony. Didn't you just love those assignments? I wanted to be playing basketball. I didn't want to be talking about the irony in Macbeth, but it was one of the best things that I, I've ever learned. Now I use it a lot, the, the things that I learned there. But here's the, here's the irony in the book of Jonah. God calls Jonah to go to the Ninevites, to these pagan peoples, and he runs away from them. And lo and behold, he ends, he ends up on a ship loaded with sailors that don't know God. That's the irony of the story. And God calls Jonah to go to him, but Jonah doesn't know anything about grace. He doesn't know anything about the mercy of God. He doesn't know about the the love of God, that, that God loves to love other people. 
And maybe, just maybe, God needs to speak to some of us today. Folks, we're around uh, unsaved people all the time. And we're around unchurched people all the time. And the storm that God sends to us is designed to to help us to share, to to know about God's grace. Let's look at what Jonah uh, talks about. He puts Jonah on a boat and then he he sends him out into a storm. Jonah's cynical. He doesn't believe that God wants to save these Ninevites. Chapter 2, verse 4 that we'll look at in a couple of weeks. Um, God has to, he doesn't want to go to these people so that God might save them. He runs away from them and God puts him on the boat with a bunch of them. What about you? Jonah didn't believe or didn't want the people around him to be saved. What about you? Do you care about the people that are around you? By the way, here's a little exclamation point. If you're a guest this morning, this is a really great church. I'm not the pastor. One is coming that is greater than I. But when he comes, I want you to be ready for him. I want you to, to, to be ready to follow him wherever he leads you. And this church, I want you to, 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 to challenge him. To say that this church exists for something more than itself. Jonah gets put on a boat with a bunch of unsaved people, and God wants to teach him about his grace and his mercy. That's what the Lord wants us to to learn this morning. Do we care about the people around us? Just like Jonah, we're called to tell others about Christ. I I think I told you before that uh, sort of to pay some of the bills and to get outside and uh, get around unsaved people, I've been driving for Uber. It's one of these things, if you don't have a car, your car breaks down and you need a ride somewhere, you get out your app and you click on it and uh, some people, uh, somebody comes up and they give you a ride somewhere. Had an interesting conversation with a lady yesterday. She got in the car and uh, I said, where are you from? I, she had a different accent. She said, I'm from the British Virgin Islands. And, she, and I, I got to talking to her and I said, well, what do you think about this storm? She said, oh, and automatically we got into a spiritual conversation. She started telling me about how she thought that all of human, all of the human beings' decisions cause all the problems in the world, and God's not a mean God. He wouldn't do anything to hurt anybody, which is true. But I said, well, how do you explain all the evil stuff in the world? And she said, I don't know. But I tell you that to say that there are people around you And whenever storms come, no matter if they're physical storms like hurricanes or or whatever, some people have storms in their life and they need for you just to speak to them, just to talk to them about spiritual things. People are everywhere. There There are other people in your boat. There are other people that are around you. Just like Jonah was on the boat with these sailors, there are people at your workplace. There are people in your neighborhood. There are kids' activities. You can have some really great conversations standing on the sideline at a soccer game or in the stands at a football game or, or hobbies. Do you believe that you can have an impact on them? I know you probably came to church this morning thinking, well, I, I wanted to come hear something for me. 
put your stuff on the back burner for just a minute. I want you to think about other people that are around you. What do we learn about Jonah? What, what do we learn? If I ask you what's the purpose of a church, there are probably several things that you could, you could say. But what gets looked over the most is that the church exists for people outside of us. Do you hear me? The church. It's not for us to round ourselves up and say, we're the good people, they're the bad people, let's keep ourselves away from the bad people. No, folks, if you believe what the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we're all bad people. And we've got a message to take to those around us. So I ask you this, does this church exist for, for you exist for the people outside of you. That's what we learn from Jonah. Let's dive in and look at it a little bit closely. Notice uh, in verse 5, the first point this morning is this. Every person has spiritual desires and spiritual longings. I don't mean that everybody longs at and searches after the one true living God. But notice in verse 5, what these men say is the storm starts to develop and the ship starts to break apart. Verse 5, they said the mariners were afraid and each cried out to his God. Now, we know being good clover, ARP, Presbyterians, or if you're from a different, if you understand the Bible, how many gods are there? One. But yet, these men... Uh, they come out and when the, when the storm starts to come into their life, when the boat starts to break apart, they start to cry out to their God. Now, it's popular. I hear this a lot of times driving around and talking to people. And you might hear it from different people. Well, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. You heard that lately? I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. And, that, and there's, a, there's an element of truth to that. Romans 1 tells us that every person worships something. We, we may worship the wrong thing, but it's, the, it's the, the thing or the person or the idea that we go to to get life. And every one of you in here do it. And probably the greatest struggle in your life is when the one true God comes up against your little idol. And you, you think going to this will give you life, but it, it, and it clashes. Roman, Romans 1 tells us we're spiritual people. We, we go after things that will give us life. Anthropologists tell us you can go to any, any, any group in the, in the world. You can go to the deepest tribes in the, in the heart. I don't know why we always say Africa, but in the deepest tribes of Africa. What do they do? They worship something. They know that there's something out there bigger than them, and they, they might think it's the sun or the moon or the little idol that they have, but every person worships something. God made us with a desire to worship. We were created for something larger than ourselves. <clears throat> when, uh, we worked, I, when I lived in Delaware, I worked in a shopping mall at a Chick-fil-A. And uh, next door to the Chick-fil-A, there was a Barnes & Noble bookstore. And uh, every once in a while, I'd, during my break, I'd just wander over and look at the, at the new books that were in. And uh, every once in a while, they'd have chairs set up. They'd move some of the shelves and set up these little chairs. And people, they would have book readings. They'd have a local author come in and read a book. 
or they'd have somebody come in and, and read the poetry that, that they read. And folks, I went in one time, and they were having all these little things, and uh, me and a buddy of mine were talking about two rows over, and this woman goes up, and she goes, Shh! I'm, I'm sorry. It was like a worship service. It was, you would have thought that they were in church, and some little kid had just had a little fit, but I was 50 years old. And she, shh, it was like a worship service. My point, and what I learned that day, is that people are looking for something to give their life to. They're, they're looking for something to, to give it meaning. Some people find it in books and poetry. Some people find it in their job. Some people find it in money. Some people find it in looks. Some people find it in sex. That's why pornography is a, is a gazillion dollar industry. People look for things that they think will give them life. And just like these sailors, they, when the storm hit, they cried out to their own God. We give ourselves to something even if it's bad. There was a lady uh, at our church in seminary. And she, she was crippled. She walked with, with walkers. And uh, one, one day she started telling us about what happened. She said that when I was a little girl, I had a nanny. And my nanny couldn't read. And my mom went to work one day, and my nanny, she couldn't read. So instead of giving me castor oil, she gave me three teaspoons of motor oil. And it affected her nervous system to the point that it crippled her. Now listen. Every one of us in this room, instead of the castor oil that tastes horrible, that's good for us, sometimes we go to motor oil. And we put it in our, we put it in our hearts and, 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 it, and it kills us. It deadens the sensitivity for Christ. It deadens the longings in our hearts for the things of God. Everybody goes to something. Our culture feeds on stuff, and we give our life to it, and it'll deaden our hearts. When things, when things get really dire, when the doctor says cancer, or when the job, when the, the, the boss says we gotta lay a bunch of people off. When things get dire, we get really religious. When I was in high school, there were uh, three of my friends were over at my house one, one summer night, and one girl had been drinking and she was driving her wife her her, uh, her not her wife. This girl was driving her friend's convertible. And she decided to leave our house and she was driving, and we could he you can hear car a car when it's turning. And we could hear her, and she got off about three miles, and and all of a sudden, this car crashed. And I thought, oh, my gosh, Sherry's been in a wreck. My buddy and I jumped in my car. We went down to where it was, and we got there. The car was upside down. And the, ra the, port of the radio had come loose from the dashboard and was laying in the road. And we saw it, and I thought it was her head. I've never been, yeah, mm, that's scary. 
I've never been more horrified in my entire life. Folks, I got really religious that night. I got really religious. I promised God that if he would let her live, I would follow him for the rest of my life. You know what? It lasted about three weeks. About three weeks. You see, most of our spiritual heart movement comes from fear. When, when, when we get fearful, we want to be close to God. And listen, these men, pray, when, when the fear came to these men, when the storm came and they started to be fearful, they started to, God, you cry out to your God. Jonah, you cry out to your God. This, and listen, do you know that about yourself? That when, if you move to, to God only out of a heart of fear, that's not, that's not faith. Do you know that about yourself? God made him for yourself. And, 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 and if we only move to him in the times of fear, that's not faith. What, do you know that or to those, do you know that, do you know that about those around you? That a lot of times people will move towards God out of fear. And you see, that's not faith. These men, uh, these men aren't praying to a God that they love and trust. They, they aren't coming to say, I, Father, I, I'll, I'll come, I'll, I'll love you and I'll trust you no matter what happens. You go to the doctor and he's got that little hammer and he bumps you on the knee. What does your knee do? It's, it's a reflex. And everybody has a reflex of fear when difficulties come, but that's not faith. When you move towards God, is it fear or is it trust? You say, well, how do you know? When you move towards God, is it, is it a reflex of fear or is it a reflex of faith and trust and love? How do you know? What happens when you move out of trouble? What happens when, when the trouble goes away? That's how you know. That's how we know when the storm goes away. This is, this is the first point. Everybody goes after some kind of God. Every, everybody, and the, those two gods compete. And this is the message that we have. Look, look, there's a God that we can know and love and trust even when the storm is gone. That's how, when you, that's how you know when your faith is real. Second point this morning. What, what, what do we learn from Jonah? We learned that we're called to use our faith for others. Verse 6, look at it. So the captain said to him, the captain came and said to Jonah, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us so that we may not perish. Can I paraphrase that? The captain says to Jonah, If you've got a God, call out and help, call out and maybe he'll help us. Here's another way to look at it. The captain of the ship is saying to Jonah, why aren't you using your faith to help us? Why aren't you using your faith to help us? I had, a, I had Jonathan read Ephesians 4 because it's the passage that says, you know, uh, Christ, when he ascended, he sent his spirit. He gave us all gifts. And he, he gave us, he, every one of you in this church, you have something to do. 
And it's not just to, for, this, for this church. You know what's about to drive me crazy? I've been talking to a lot of churches and filling in in some places even before I came here. And I, 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 and I inevitably, be, inevitably meet the nursery coordinator. And she says, we're just having a hard time. We can't find anybody to keep the nursery. Now, I don't know why that is, but here's the thing. Every one of us, we have a gift in helping the nursery. But God also gave you a gift to help others outside of this place. There were two men. There was a man, he was parked on the side of the road uh, on a four-lane highway, and and he saw two men. And they dig a hole, they dig this big hole, and they go over and sit in the truck for a couple minutes. Go back over, and they fill it up with dirt. They drive the truck about 30 feet. They dig a big hole, move the dirt out, wait about 30 minutes, put the dirt back in the hole. They drove 30 more feet. They dig a hole, take all the dirt out, put all the dirt back in. Finally, about after three miles, the man said, what are these guys doing? So he went over and he said, "Uh, pardon me, sir, uh, what are you guys doing? He said, well... We're working on the Governor's Highway Beautification Program. You see, the guy that's supposed to plant the trees, he called out sick today. Y'all didn't get it. They dug a hole. They filled it back up. The guy said, what are you guys doing? He said, well, the guy that's supposed to put the tree in the hole, he called out sick today. Think about it. You'll get it when you get home today. I didn't know if that was going to work or not. Here's the thing. There are people around you and they're doing what they're supposed, they're using their gifts. And you're missing out on something because you're not using your gift. And you need to do that because other people are not being blessed by you. And you're not, you know know what's been so much fun? I I thought, am I going to really go as, am I really going to sink to the level of being like a taxi cab driver? I have had more fun doing this. Driving around and talking to people and getting to know them. I had a lady that got in my car uh, Thursday and I drove up to, it was a nice neighborhood here in Rock Hill. I pulled up and she was standing out on the curb with her suitcase. And I thought, okay, we're going to the airport. I pulled up and I could see and her face was red and she'd been crying. And uh, she got in the car and, and she was apologizing. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, 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 just, I just had a rough day. So I put her suitcase in the back of my car. I noticed she was, her arm was bleeding and I thought, oh golly, I've got to you know, like report a, 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 an abusive husband or something. She got in the car and we started talking. And she said, I, I'm, so, I'm so sorry. It's just been a horrible day. She said, I got in a fist fight with my daughter. And I didn't get into, and she started telling me that her husband had passed away about three months ago. Her children just didn't, they're all grown with families. They didn't know what to do. Their dad dying had just thrown them into a tizzy. They didn't, they didn't know what to do. They ended up getting an argument about something, got, and she had to go to a hotel. Now, I tell you that to say this. I gave her my card and I said, can I pray with you? Can I just, can I, can I do anything for you? I said, here's my card. If I, I live in town here. If I can do anything to help you. She's from West Palm Beach, Florida. 
And uh, I just, man, look, I'm not trying to be some kind of hero. If you go in the dictionary and look up normal, you'll see my picture right beside it. If I go and look up your picture, it's going to say normal. You're just normal people. We're just normal. But God has put people all around you. Do you notice the tears? Or is that too emotional and you just don't want to? Notice the tears. They're there for a reason. Notice the, notice the pain. Notice the people that are around you. What we learn from Jonah is that our faith is for the, the sake of other people. The captain rebukes Jonah. He rebukes Jonah because Jonah has no idea about the problem. Jonah, Jonah has no idea about the storm. He's down in the bottom of the boat asleep. Jonah's absorbed in his own life. He's absorbed in his own problems. Have we become like that too? Jonah doesn't know, and Jonah doesn't do anything. If you wait till you're 100% perfect, you'll, you'll never serve anybody. God, God gives us problems. You know why God gives us problems? Have you noticed that God gives Christians cancer and he gives unchristians cancer? Have you noticed that divorce hits Christians and it hits unchristians? Do you know the difference? You know the difference, and that can be with anything. God allows problems into our life so that we can go to other people and say, there's a whole bunch of grace out here for you. There's a whole bunch of hope here for you in this. And are we going to be just like Jonah and sleep in the bottom of the boat? Jonah's, Jonah gets rebuked by the captain because He's not using his faith to help them or anyone else. Our words can have amazing impact. And do you see the amazing effect that, that, that good words have, that the gospel can have? The world is right to rebuke us by, when they say, you don't know anything about the, our needs and you're not doing anything about it. Stop and think about this for, for a minute. Who is around you that needs your faith? I told you I was going to ask you that question every week. This is the look on that little handout that I put in your bulletin. There's a handout called, called "Who Was in Your Boat." God called Jonah to go to the unsaved, but Jonah goes in the opposite direction. The irony of the story is that Jonah ends up on a ship full of men who don't believe in the one true God. We've been called to, to go there too. Remember the question that I told you I was going to ask you: Does your faith do anybody else any good? Who are the people around you? Uh, ultimately, it's Jonah's self-righteousness. He just, he just doesn't care about him. He's just absorbed in himself. In a lot of places in Scripture, Isaiah, Matthew, James, the way that you can tell a true, living, vital faith is by the way that you treat people that are different from you. Let me say it again. The way that you know that your faith is, is true and that it's living and that it's vital is by the way that you treat people that are different from you. The captain says to Jonah, Jonah, get up and use your faith and, and help us. And I guarantee you, every one of you in this room, if you start looking around you, there's going to be people, maybe they don't say it with the words, 
but they'll say it with their life. And they're saying to you and they're saying to me, use your faith. Get up and do somebody some good. I want you to notice on that sheet, who are five people in your boat? Who are five people in your boat? You can pray for them. You can take opportunities to show, the, show them love by, in some tangible way. Uh, ask the Lord to give you opportunities to help you have conversations with them. But folks, listen to me. There are other people in your boat. Who are the people in your life? How do you need to exercise your faith for, for their good? Everybody on the planet has spiritual desires. And what we learn from Jonah is that we're called to use our faith for others. Let's bow together and pray. <clears throat> you remember the story that Jesus was uh, in a boat with his disciples. And they went out into it. He went out into a storm to show them that he's the king and that he's the Lord over all the earth. Father, it's amazing that uh, you could say to Hurricane Irma and you could have said to Hurricane Harvey and the other storm that's out, it's, everybody's all worried about. You could say to those storms, stop, and they would just go away. It, it's, I believe that you can do that. But you send the storms in our life. You send them into, you, you cause it to rain on the just and the unjust. And you do that because you want your church to show what it means to, to love other people in the middle of a storm. You do that so that we'll show the grace that you've shown to us. And maybe, just maybe, you may allow the storm to come to see that maybe we're spiritual, but we're not trusting the one true God. I pray if there's someone here this morning, and the only time that they turn to you, Lord Jesus, is when the is when fear comes, is when uh, some, some circumstances come, that you would turn their heart, that you would show them that maybe they have a counterfeit faith. I pray for Clover ARP Church that we would be, uh, that they would be known as a church that looks out to the needs of others and says to the world, I want to use my faith to serve you, to love you, to show you the grace that Jesus Christ has shown me. Would you do that for us? It's in your name that we pray. Amen.